Welcome to the latest edition of the Giants Hangout, presented by Crestron, a proud partner of the New York Giants. Lance Meadow, Russ Salzberg, Howard Cross with you. Our weekly roundtable discussion as we recap the previous game, also look ahead and focus on three themes. And today, we're going to hone in on negative plays on offense, lack of explosive plays, and no takeaways on defense as the Giants' three-game winning streak came to a halt in New Orleans as they fell to the Saints 24-6. to And Howard, I want to start with a theme we talked about in previous games, really outside of the three-game winning streak, and that is the negative plays. And when you have an overwhelming amount of them, it's very hard for this offense to put that on the back burner and be able to move forward. And while the sacks jump off the page seven times, Tommy DeVito was sacked, it's the third downs that, to me, were the real killer. They were two of 16. And 10 of those 16 third downs were for nine yards or more. So when you take penalties, when you take sacks, the downs and distances become overwhelming. And when you don't have explosive plays, very hard for this offense to stay on the field and make up for that. So you use all the catch words. You keep saying explosive plays. And this is why this is an example of why I've been explaining this to you the whole time. See, what happens is when the, when the offensive line is struggling, and they've been the entire year, They've had some games they played the last three games of winning streak. No one really blitzed them. No one ran twists. They were like, okay, it's a rookie quarterback. We'll just play zone. And, you know, you guys can get to them because they're playing so bad. Well, New Orleans is in a situation where they need to win to stay in their race in the, in the NFC South. So they blitzed. They, ran, they did the run blitz. They did pass blitz. They ran twists the entire game. And that's what the game looks like when they're when somebody's coming at you at full speed, doing everything they can to get to the quarterback. You're not going to have what you call explosive plays. You're not going to get the run game started. Every time Saquon touched the ball, there's 11 guys focused on him, eyes up, watching him. Tommy had a couple of nice runs because they were saying, like, we'll sacrifice Tommy's runs for Saquon. Anything that, anything that Saquon does, we're going to make sure he's not going to be the guy to beat us. So we're going to stay on top of him. After that, you know, you have linebackers running through the line of scrimmage at the quarterback and giving him big hits. Tommy, you know, got hit hard on the slide. I thought it was kind of a cheap shot, but also Tommy slides very late. So he has to be careful with that. So from an offensive standpoint, the rest of the games are going to play are guys and teams that are trying to get into the playoffs and trying to hold their position. The Eagles, for God's sakes, they're trying to hold on to their number one position, uh, not just in NFC uh, East, but in the NFC period. So they're going to be doing everything they can to try to stay in position or capture the number one position so they can have home field advantage. We're not going to see anything other than everyone's best going forward. So the offensive line is going to have to come up with some with some big overhead play in order to protect the quarterback, in order, in order to get the run game started. If you can't have great offensive line play or at least maybe average offensive line play, they're not going to have a shot. You know, Lance uh, and Howard and Howard and I were talking about it just before we went on the air here. Uh, I thought Brian Dable said it best <laughs> post game at at the podium. Collectively, we just weren't good enough. It, it it was just to me. It was I don't know if it was a collapse, whatever you want to call it. I mean, maybe they, it was bound to happen sooner or later. But uh, it was not good yesterday in every way, shape, or form. You can talk about the sacks. You can talk about the offensive line. You can talk about, you know, th there were a few drop passes, uh, you know, one or two to mm -hmm. Slayton, which, you know, 
it's not that they were horrible, but they were inopportune. I don't know if there's ever a good time to drop a pass, but those were like on a third down where and long yardage could have done something. And then there was one play, what I think it was third and 17, and um, they got 16 on them. It, it just was it, it was an overall bad performance, really by everybody. Uh, uh, you know, you know, Tommy uh, uh, as um Howard told us, you know, the past couple of weeks, it's a great story. And, and we all fell in love with the story. And it is a great story. A local kid makes local kid makes good. And I'm not saying it's over, but it was, you know, he was a third string practice squad player. Everybody jumped on this great story. Maybe the story continues, but it is what it is. They just, uh, they just weren't good, good enough in every way, shape or form. I, I was disappointed. Not that I expected them to win. I thought that was going to be a very tough place to go in and get a victory, but I thought the performance itself really was lacking. The one thing that got me excited was when Walla was running with the ball and that, what was it? A 29 yard uh, catch and run. 29 yard. Yep. Yeah. And, but then poof, it went away because we couldn't capitalize. That was a problem. Well, okay. because that was one of only two plays for 20 plus yards in the game, which is why I go back to Howard when I brought up the lack of explosive plays, or if you want to word it as chunk plays. But Howard, you hit on a key component that I want to piggyback off of, because what to me you were highlighting was the importance of this matchup driven league that we analyze every single week. And the fact mm -hmm. that the Saints twisted and stunted a lot. And Dallas, if you recall, lives by that. And they also made the Giants offensive line pay. For some reason, now Green Bay wasn't a heavy blitz team, as we were talking about last week, and that's why Tommy was able to run. You figure it's a copycat league. I'm surprised more teams have not tested the Giants with the twists and the stunts, given how much they've had trouble with that this season. It, it's amazing that if you watch a league and you watch teams, uh, the Giants go in to play New Orleans, and this is no knock on because, you know, Kafka's done such a great job, but they're, they're a horrible, quote-unquote, a run defense. The first thing they do is they throw a deep pass. Now you're in. Now you're in second and ten. You're going to have to do something. The next play is a, is a minus play or a, or a zero play, and then you're in third and long. Everybody was like, "Wow, look! Like, oh, at least they're trying to throw a deep to stretch them out." I'm like, "Now, if it wasn't for a penalty, you know, the the the, the series is over." So they go down and they get three points. And everybody's like, "Okay, well." I said, "Okay, but pay attention to what happened." I'm like they had a they had a zero yards play on the first down. They couldn't get the run started, and the third down didn't work. So they were they wound up punting the ball, but the punter got run into. I said that may be a theme. You have to be be, be patient. Just watch. And they're like this. Oh, you're being you're being a Debbie Downer. I was like, no. Watch what happens. The next play, the linebacker, great linebacker, runs through, hits the quarterback for a sack, like untouched. They couldn't even get a hand on him. So like you when you notice that teams are doing that. Dallas put out a blueprint of what they were going to be struggling with. The team has played better against, you know, teams that are quote unquote lesser teams, unfortunately, or matchups. But when you're playing against teams that are trying to get there, they're going to study tape. They're going to institute everything they need to, to beat you. I think Green Bay just kind of looked at the Giants so they don't win at night. So, you know, we don't have to really worry about it. We'll be able to get to them, you know, eventually. And then they saw like, okay, they're scoring points. What's going on here? And now you go back to the same thing that we talked about for most of the year. You know, you're scoring six points in the game. You're not really being able to move the ball. And it's all it all starts with 
The offensive line has to play better. The the drops that, that occurred, the two drops that occurred, they can't they came on Russell came on first down. First and ten slant. Uh Slayton hit him right in the chest. You know, he's otherwise pretty pretty good receiver, but at this particular time, he drops next series, first and ten, or two series later, first and ten to Hyatt slant, hits him right in the chest. Both guys are clapping their hands and they're upset, but when you're struggling, every play matters and you got to find a way to make it, especially it's almost like handoffs. You hit the guy on a slam, the first and 10 right in the chest. So, and, and it's a different world. They can't really, they can't really hit you or blow you up on a slant anymore. You know, they, they can't, they had a bad call when, when they tackled Bellinger on the sideline, cause the guy put his head across and hit him with his shoulder. But even that, this, just the, the, the optics of that makes them throw the flag. So you don't have to worry about guys trying to take you out when you catch the ball on a slant. And we just had a couple drops right there early on in the game that could have changed the flow of the game and maybe the momentum of the game. It, it Wasn't it, though, Howard and, and, and Lance, just, you know, really, if you just cut down to the basics, it was a perfect storm. It was Murphy's Law. And the, what I mean by the perfect storm, once you – Okay, so the passing game wasn't going to be there. Once the running game was not going to be there, I mean, they were sitting duck. They couldn't do anything. The defense of the Saints just had it uh, any which way they wanted to have it. Then compounding everything. Listen, Howard, on defense, that was not a good performance by the uh, Big Blue defense. I mean, all of a sudden we were seeing things, you know, that we haven't seen the last few games, you know, yeah. Yeah, they had a, they had a couple problems. I thought thought like uh they kept having lineup uh, issues, and they kept like looking back and forth and waving guys over. And a couple times in the third and long situations, they were trying to figure out out of trips formation who was who was the third guy. Alvin Kamara, you know, blends or adds a problem because he's a guy that could be covered with a cornerback or a safety. And when a linebacker runs out and gets him, now McFadden had a great great play on him later in the game. But when at first when they got the third and longs. It's hard to figure out who to get out to where they're in front of the guys. Now, I thought they were just going to play sticks. That's where you drop back and protect protect the sticks and, you know, rush up and get to the guy. But the passes were, you know, they weren't like – I don't mean to, you know, disparage car, but not, they weren't like these giant – these bullets coming out to guys. They had chances to stop the guys. They're, they let them run into zones and the big, big holes in the zone, and no one got close to them. I'm like, if no one's in front of you and the guy's like standing on – on the yard marker, you got to go get close to him to make sure that he can't quote unquote catch the ball for the first down. And also on the flip side, they didn't have much of a pass rush too, because mm -hmm. you look at the one sack by Jason Pinnock and then they only had two quarterback hits. That's why Derek Carr was so efficient. He completed over 80% of his passes. He threw for three touchdowns. They capitalized in the red zone. There wasn't that disruption aspect. And I think it goes back to what the two of you are talking about. It's amazing because, you know, Russ, you used the term perfect storm, but I think of all of the ideal things that have had to go right on both sides of the ball for the Giants to consistently win games this season. What I mean by that is on defense, they need takeaways, right? When they don't have takeaways, guys, it's a completely different defense because the takeaway shortens the field and does damage control. They didn't have takeaways in this game. Sixth time that's happened this season. On offense, what do they need? They need to play clean football. You can't have penalties. You can't have sacks. They had nine possessions in this game. On eight of those nine possessions, they had at least one negative play. And Howard, you brought up the first drive. They scored a field goal. What was the common element? 
They didn't dig themselves in a hole. And then the other drive that they got a field goal was the one you brought up when the Saints were called for that penalty, unnecessary roughness on Bellinger, which mm-hmm. upon replay clearly was the wrong call because there wasn't right. a head-to-head hit. So think about it. It took those two scenarios, Howard, for the Giants to walk away with points in this game. I go back to the ideal situations that you need to score points and keep the opposition off the board. I mean, that's a lot of strain on a team. Yeah, but, you know, turnovers are luck. They're not – They're not. you don't just make turnovers. Every team that had a good run of turnovers, they're, they're luck. What, what the Saints did was, okay, Thibodeau and, and Dexter are, are the guys who are giving us most of the pressure. Let's double them. Let's double them every play. Thibodeau's going to get a chip no matter where he is on the field, and they chipped him. They chipped him a lot. So when he's trying to get his pass rush going, they're chipping him knocking him back inside. And then you knock him back inside, you got three guys blocking Dexter sometimes. Sometimes three guys blocking Thibodeau. So if you try to eliminate those two guys, you have to have a third and fourth guy that can come. The reason they got the sack was Pinnock just sprinted off the edge, and the back wasn't looking for him. The back was looking for Thibodeau or Ojolari off the edge, so he was going to try to chip him. And by the time he got back in position – you know, Pinnock was already already around him. The only way to get to guys, the only way to get to him is they're going to be blitzing and trying to get there. I think uh, McFadden had a couple of blitzes where he ran up the field. He was in position, but he didn't hit him. You know, he was just he just didn't get close enough to affect the pass. I think uh, Ojolari had a couple of plays where he beat this guy off the edge, but it, you know, clearly he's just you know a hand or a hair away from from touching the quarterback. If you don't get your hands on him. It's just it's seven on seven for the quarterback, and that's what that's what it looks like when you don't hit guys. Well, you, you know what, Howard, I I understand. You know, sometimes uh, turnovers are luck. Okay, sometimes it's a bad play uh, by the offense, but regardless whether it's luck or or good play uh, by the defense, the bottom line is the Giants' offense needs help, and they didn't get it yesterday. When I say they need help, you know, you get a turnover in the right place, it shortens your field, you get a chance to do something. So, I mean, it was Murphy's Law yesterday. To me, what could go wrong went wrong. Hey, guys, who played well yesterday? I mean, who stood out as a good performer for the Giants yesterday? (laughs) As Dable said it, I'll say it again. Collectively, all around, it wasn't good enough. And it wasn't. Far from it. Well, Russ, get, to your point, go ahead, Howard. Yeah. I, I get you guys saying that when Coach Davis said this wasn't good enough, they were outclassed. I mean, well, everybody, thinks that, everybody thinks that New Orleans like, oh, we're in the same kind of class. or, or we they, they just weren't. Their defensive line looked excellent. Even when they weren't, you know, blitzing, they were, they were stunting with the four guys. They were getting there. They were, like, running through the inside, pushing the back. That The middle linebacker was like a monster out there. Mario he, Davis. Yeah, oh, yeah. He, he was he, all over the place. Sideline yeah. to sideline, knocking guys down, never coming off the field. And he's not like a little guy. So, like, you know, just, you know, I don't know how to explain it other than if you see what you're up against, I know I know it's all a good feeling, but you have to, like, bear down and understand, like, okay, this is going to happen. If they can't run the ball straight ahead and they have to continuously, quote, unquote, run the ball to the edge with guys pulling, they're going to be constantly guys running through the line of scrimmage. This it's on tape. Once it's on tape, everybody starts to emulate it. Well, I I think what Coach Dave was saying when he said collectively they weren't good enough. Quite frankly, collectively they weren't good enough to compete yesterday. It was not a competitive performance. It wasn't. 
Not you, know, you can't sugarcoat it. Listen, we've been praising them, and they deserve the praise the last three weeks. Not yesterday. Yesterday was a bad performance. Well, Russ, going back to your question, when you say who played good, you're turning to name three or four Saints players before you even bring up a Giants player, right? right. I mean, Howard brought up Demario Davis, who's one of the best linebackers in football. On the first two possessions of the game, to just highlight Howard's point, he already had three tackles, one for loss, and a sack. And we were only two possessions into the game, guys. He was everywhere. All of the guys on the defensive front, Paul Granderson, Toa Passanyao, whoever you want to name, and then Derek Carr, who was very efficient. I haven't even named one or two players on the Giants. No. And here's the other thing, guys, that's important to bring up. We talk about injuries in this league, okay? Everybody has to deal with them. And I know that's been a big theme with the Giants. Not sugarcoating it, not using it as an excuse. But New Orleans was down Chris Olave, right? Their top wide receiver yesterday. And they were down one of their best offensive linemen, Ryan Ramchek. When you were watching the game yesterday, did either of you at any point say, man, if New Orleans had Ramchek and Olave, this would be a completely different game? We weren't bringing either of those guys up, which also speaks volume of the Saints' depth and players stepping up. Landon Young, sixth-round pick, 2021, filled in for Ramchek. Olave, I don't think there was one guy. Derek Carr did a nice job sprinting the wealth. But the point is, when you take two guys like that out of the equation, Russ, normally you're talking about their absence. We were not discussing that. So that's the difference between teams in the NFL. And that's where Howard brought up, you know, a lot of people, the chatter was, oh, the Saints are not a heavyweight. But you know what? At the end of the day, who cares what class they're in? If you don't execute as a team, Russ, it doesn't matter whether you're well, no, a team or a varsity team. No, I, I, listen, I, I'll give the Saints credit for doing that. But at the same time, uh, Lance and Howard, you know, sometimes it's incumbent upon the opposing team, this one being the Giants, to step up as well. And they sure. just, as we were saying, they weren't competitive yesterday. It was yeah. a very poor performance. I know you guys keep saying competitive. They were just out schemed yesterday. They, they they didn't do well offensive line with the with the uh, the stunts and the blitzes. They were just they couldn't they couldn't catch up. Once they got ahead and started got ahead of steam, that was a problem. The other thing that you guys don't don't realize when you're playing in New Orleans, it's unnervingly loud in New Orleans. Like when I mean unnervingly loud, like it's it's ridiculous. So like you're you're watching and trying to get off the ball on time, and they were using that get off to their advantage. The offensive line couldn't keep up. You know it's just part of the game. Like they they do it on purpose. They're pumping music in as loud as possible until the microphone in your helmet goes off, and then they then they shut it off. So whatever's being said to you before those fifteen seconds, before the fifteen seconds of silence in your head, you can barely hear. You can't hear the play call in the huddle. Sometimes you don't get the snap count. It was. You know, guys weren't getting beat that way, obviously, but it, it was affecting the entire game. They looked, DeVito looked poised trying to get it done, but it was happening. Uh, from the defensive standpoint, when your two two best players are like, you know, struggling because, quote unquote, they're getting doubled and tripled and bumped and nicked, it's hard. And everyone thought that, you know, the running back was going to be, oh, Alvin Kamara is only good in the past. I'm like, he's good at whatever he does. And so, so he would, he was taking two yards, three yards, seven yards, two yards, three yards, eight yards over and over again. And if you didn't get to him right away, he, he'd gas you. He wouldn't gas you for like 25 or 30 yards, but seven yards here puts you in a second and three. And that's what, that's what you need to keep, keep drives going. And they were able to do that. And they, they were very effective at it.
Yeah, I've always looked at Kamara. I'm glad you brought it up. I've always looked at him. To me, he's one of the most, for me, for Russ here, he's one of the most dangerous players in the league because he can catch it, he can run with it, he mm -hmm. can be explosive. He's just he's just a very good football player. Mm -hmm. even, at, even at this yeah. age. Yeah. yeah, even at this age, he's still great. Because he's so good in terms of contributing in both facets of the game. As Howard was alluding to, you have to account for him on the ground. You also have to account for him as somebody out of the backfield who Derek Carr will dump off. And then he'll turn a two-yard pass into a seven-yard game because he'll get five or six yards. If you look a lot of his runs yesterday, it was a tight crevice, and it looked like maybe the Giants were going to be in the vicinity, and then he navigated. That's why I use slippery, and all of a sudden – it's now a manageable second or third down. And that's the big difference between, if you look at this game, I know, Howard, you want to talk about the fact that they were maybe out-schemed. I mean, to me, that's also a product of the lack of execution. Those two terms go hand in hand. You know, you could have a great game plan, but at the end of the day, you don't bring guys down, you don't tackle, okay? You don't pass protect. That's not executing at the end of the day. And that's, that's not, the that's biggest difference between these two. Unfortunately, I said that's not how it works. You can be out-schemed. Out there was a lot of out-scheming done the twist, the the noise, they they that's a scheme. You understand? You're not gonna forget about executing. If they already know that you have problems with with something, then you you go to it immediately. It's the old adage, like if it if if it works, don't stop doing it until it until it doesn't work. And that's what they did. They went back to something they saw in game one, and they started to try it over and over. And it's like with this noise, they'll never be able to keep up, and they couldn't. And as far as the backs go, you know, when you watch guys like Kamara, I think Christian McCaffrey is another guy that I think about when I see this. Guys that get to the hole and explode, like they don't stutter, they explode and try to try to get through the hole. Those are guys that aren't necessarily slippery. That burst that they hit when they hit when they get to the hole may get them one yard. Sometimes they miss with an arm tackle and they get some ten yards. That's a that's a tack that. Only a few backs in, in the league use. I think Josh Jacobs uses it also. When he gets to the hole, he's at full speed the moment he decides. When he makes his determination, I'm going to get two yards, I'm going to get one yard, I'm going to get 100 yards because I'm gone. And that's you know those, those style running backs are the hardest running backs to stop because if you don't hit them right away if, or if they get their step or to get their foot in the ground and get started – they're already they're already up upfield. That's not slippery. That's just the way they're running. They're running at full pace the moment they make their commitment to going forward. Yeah, no, you know what, Howard? That's one of my pet peeves in football. When when I see it back, you know, if you hit the hole, even if you're getting two, you know, plus two, you know, second and eight is mm -hmm. a lot better than second and twelve. You, you know, when, when stuff like that happens, and you yeah. see. You see the explosiveness, and you just mentioned guys like, you know, McCaffrey and, and Kamara. That's a very good example. Yeah, and and I'm not and I'm not a running back. I couldn't tell you how running backs see things or what what's in their head, but like certain guys, the way they run, they run with, okay, I see. I'm just gonna run off the hip of this guy, and they take off once they start. They're not looking left or right. They're going at full pace, and then once they get through the line of scrimmage and the dust kind of clears. It's when they make their first move to the outside or the inside and they try to take it to the house. But 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 Howard, isn't that a product of also the continuity or you want to call a connection between the running backs and the offensive line? Because if the offensive line is not getting the job done and the running back doesn't have the confidence that the hole is going to be there, then the running back is worried about 
jittering and, and d- trying to jitterbug and and you know do a little razzle dazzle and if, before you know it it's a three yard loss if they're hitting you in the backfield before you can put your foot in the ground there, there's no need but like when these guys are getting like guys that have opportunities to get to the line of scrimmage and give that burst those are guys that are extraordinarily dangerous and he's one of those guys and that also magnifies one of the biggest differences between the Giants and the Saints yesterday because the Giants, Saquon Barkley, nine carries, 14 yards, which was a season low for him. And the team only ran for 60 yards. And you go back to the Packers game the previous week, Tommy DeVito wasn't sacked. They stayed in manageable third downs, but they also had a run game. And even if DeVito was responsible for the bulk of the run game, you still had that feature, that aspect, which was non-existent at all. And I know, Howard, you've gone back and forth with me throughout the season. I'm going to bring it back again because this is the point that Russ was highlighting earlier. If the defense gives you takeaways, whether you think they're luck, whether you think they're scheme, you're telling the offense, hold on, I know know you're antsy. I'll get to you here. You're telling the offense, we don't have to put you in a position to go 75, 80 yards down the field. Whereas yesterday, that offense had to go 75, 80 yards down the field. And I've been emphasizing this all season, either because of personnel issues with injuries or penalties or sacks. This offense is not built to put together four to five 80-yard touchdown drives every single game. We have yet to see it this season. And they were put in that position once again yesterday. You romanticize turnovers. You've watched (laughs) three games where the Giants have gotten a lot of turnovers. And you've watched as many as they've gotten, they've missed. You've, you've watched guys a drop. A lot of drops, yeah. You've watched balls bounce off guys' hands onto Absolutely. the ground. you watch all these things. So when I say turnovers are luck, they're luck. And sometimes the ball bounces in your hands, and sometimes it doesn't. And when, when a quarterback is standing back there by himself and there's nobody, nobody within arm's length of him throwing the ball, there are no turnovers to be had. So you're going to have to figure out a way just to get stops. The defense had a chance to get stops, to get threes and outs and get, some, get them to punt the ball and get them another chance. Even though the, the offense can't go 75 yards every play, they had an opportunity to get the ball back to the offense over and over again, and they gave up third and longs, third and whatevers. Third, and it wasn't penalties. They just weren't in the right place at the right time. Uh, and they were, they were schemed to be there. But they just didn't they did they didn't perform at the at the level they usually perform at either. Now the blocks, the double teams, that's what you're gonna see for the rest of the year on Thibodeau and and Dex. You're gonna see people doubling down on Dex, doubling down on Thibodeau. And there's gonna have to be other guys that are gonna have to come up big and make plays, not just in the run game, but to get to the passer. And it can't be a blitz every time. Cause if you blitz against if you blitz against the Eagles, they got a couple of receivers out there that are gonna take you to the cleaners. They just are. If wow. you so you don't get there, you know, <laughs> Green and Smith are going to like light you up. They just are. So you got to figure out a way to get your guys. Other guys have to get there from the front and and make it a problem for quote unquote the last few teams that you're going to play. You're going to play two one team twice, the other team one time. You got to find a way to get there from well, a deep standpoint. If you're not around him, if you're not touching him, if you're not close to him. It's seven on seven for the quarterback, and guys will get open. You can't cover three, four seconds because after the four second, it is what it is. Well, you know, Giants are up against a big time coming up uh, 
the next game against the Eagles, you know, in, in Philly. You're talking about a team that is not just fighting, you know, for a number one seed. You, you know, talk about teams who are in the playoff hunt. They're mm-hmm. not just fighting for a number one seed overall. They're still fighting, depending upon what they do tonight against Seattle. They're fighting for the number one spot in the division. Mm-hmm. You know, so, so I mean, Giants, for lack of a better term, are up against it really big time. So there's got to be a major improvement in every facet of the game coming off of what we got to see yesterday. And what do, and what have I said? Like what I say a few weeks ago, I don't care if they win or not. I just want them to improve a little right. bit every game. And they can have some big improvements, some big strides in this game. And, you know, people, oh, they didn't win. If they look better, if the offensive line blocks better, if you get a little bit more of a running game, if if the receivers don't drop passes, if if you get a little more pressure, on it, you don't have to sack him. Quarterback hits. Jalen is Jalen is is hobbled right now. He may not even play against us, depending on what happens to, uh, tonight in this game. So those kind of things are opportunities for for the team to get better and get chances to to make major strides. Are they going to beat the Eagles? Who knows? Any week, anything can happen. But you can get better against the Eagles. You can be more competitive against the Eagles. Now that you've kind of let the, the hangover of, hey, it's a party, We're, you know, the, the DeVito party, everything's great. Hangover's over. Now figure it out and try to get better this coming week. And that's all you can do when you're a team, like this part of the year. Get better. Get better. Find ways to get better. Make sure that you're doing something positive that helps out. Uh, more film, more tape. More energy and practice. Get better. Uh, another hour or so of working out. Get better. And that's what they're going to have to do, you know, as a group collectively. Can't be lip service. You got to get better. Well, get well, better. Especially since, yeah, go, go ahead, Russ. I'm sorry. Get better is something that I think that's why people were disappointed. I know I was. Get better was something that didn't happen yesterday. In those last three games, we were seeing getting better, a little better this, a little better than that. And yesterday, it went the other way. I well, think and I have, think, yeah. I'm sorry, Lance. I think you have a hangover because I kept saying to you, like, you know, be patient with what you're watching because this is not, it's kind of a false narrative. I mean, Tommy DeVito's great, a lot of fun, almost a Lynn Zanity kind of moment for, for the sport. But they were, you know, the first few games, he was getting sacked a tremendous lot. I mean, he was getting hit. And then he kind of got, okay, we got a couple of teams that weren't playing as well, and we scored some points especially scoring points at home makes everybody happy. But the reality of it was is that Green Bay didn't, they didn't try to bless him. They didn't do anything. He had a seven on seven session. So now when teams go back to, we got to stop them, get them off the field, give them long fields. They can't, they can't compete in a long field scenario. Like Lance is saying, then you see like the pressure and the stress, not just, you know, the QB is not stressed, but the entire team, everyone's desperate to make a play. And that luck of turnovers if all of a sudden, if you're not hitting their quarterback, turnovers are almost impossible to get. Well, I'm with you there. I was going to go in a different direction, but you keep coming back to my favorite topic. So I just, I can't I cough this up here. No, I'm with you there, Howard. You got to be able to hit the quarterback. But I think there's other examples of where the Giants have been good in taking away the ball that maybe you're dismissing a little. For example, when Bobby O'Karake in the open field punches the ball out, that's a part of a fundamental skill that winks and the coaching staff is emphasizing that creates a takeaway right. that has nothing to do with hitting the quarterback. When Xavier McKinney gets his hand in through the defender and knocks the ball away, those are fundamental skills 
creating takeaways. And I think that needs to be highlighted as well. I think what you're talking about, if you if you if you if you think about what you're saying is, is that when someone has their hand around a guy's waist and the next guy comes in and punches at the ball, that is a luck shot. You can punch at it 10 times. You can punch at it 30 times. One time it will come out. I if like that, how you ran all these experiments and you know these results. I'm impressed that you and your scientific but Lance, but Lance, 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 you're laughing yeah. and being funny. Think about it. You watch games every week. There are group tackles every week. Every week you see a guy draw his hand back and punch at the ball. But 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 Howard, let me ask you this: Aren't there certain guys? I I think we've spent too much time this, this entire season talking about the luck of turnovers <laughs> as opposed to not being lucky. But there are certain guys in this league who are very very good at creating <laughs> that turnover, at, at punching the ball out. Is that not a fair thing to say? It's not a fair thing to say because if a guy was so good at it, he'd have like 25 turnovers or 25 calls, fumbles, 25 interceptions, 30 interceptions. The luck of what they're doing, it's, it's great. You're taught to cover the ball high and tight. When a guy comes in and punches at the ball, he hits his forearm. He'll hit, you, he'll hit your, your bicep, your forearm. He has to come inside. Guys rake at the top of your hand trying to pull your hand down. And when I tell you guys, I like it, it's fun, the peanut punch. That's what yeah, they Charles Peanut Tillman. I was just yeah, going to bring him up. The, the peanut punch. Correct. How many how many turnovers did he, did he cause in the season? I even don't know his numbers off the top of my head, but Howard, he was up there. He did that consistently. Yeah, he did like six or seven in the season, like causing that's that still pretty punch. good. That's not impressive yeah, enough. Seven, oh, seven, out seven, like, seven out of eight hundred plays he probably played that season, and you're like, that's incredible. It's luck, and it's good. It's good to keep trying it because. If you're lucky, it'll work. That's the point I'm making. And I'm I'm not trying to be facetious about anything. That's the, the point I'm making is that you're doing something in hopes of getting something to happen. If I throw the ball to you and you catch it, that's not luck. That's execution. If I peanut punch and, and the ball doesn't come out, I executed it perfectly. The ball didn't come out. If I do it like 50 times in a row, the ball doesn't come out, the ball doesn't come out. If I do it one more time, the ball comes out, Oh my God, I did. I'm like, no, that, that, you know, you can't go into a game expecting to do that. When you run by a quarterback and he got his hand back and you swipe the ball out, that's a, that, that's great technique. That's great. Everything. You hit the quarterback, well, you can't really hit him anymore. The cause a fumble, but great technique. That just stepping and putting yourself in a position to, to cut that slant off and catching the ball when he throws it because the quarterback doesn't see you. That's great technique. Those aren't luck. Those are things that you're doing and you've schemed to do. The 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 punch. That's unfortunately. I don't, I don't know how to explain it other than that. <laughs> well, I just looked it up. Charles Tillman. Wait, Russ, real quick. Charles Tillman has set the NFL record for the most forced fumbles in a season. He had ten in 2012, and mm -hmm. then he has the record for the most in a single game with four. Mm -hmm. Do those numbers? Do they meet? The ability to beyond luck on the defensive playing side, or are we still in the well? You know, he was in the right vicinity and he got a fingernail on the football. I'm just telling you, Lance. If you notice how many plays the guy plays, it's really luck. He punched it. He punched it every guy he tried to tackle. But the fundamentals, I'm saying, is putting him in a position to attempt to do that. Howard, yeah, but, you're right. Like, you're not going to force a fumble on every play, but you're going to. 
stopping yourself. There you go. You're going to keep that. trying. You just keep trying it over and over. And when it happens, it's great. But the, 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 to say that they're going to do it, if it was like a true skill, it would be done all the time and it, it would be fumbles everywhere. You, you see, Lance, Lance, I think Howard is trying to uh, explain to you and me that it's like turnovers are like buying lottery tickets. You keep buying them and buying them and buying them. They maybe, have you're them. Lucky, maybe you're lucky <laughs> enough to hit the big one, but it's luck. Yeah, it's you totally keep scratching luck. with the coin and you hope that it finally <laughs> comes up. To your liking. I mean, yes, like, exactly. Saquon ran down the field the game before, sprinting, falls down, and the ball comes out. Like, that's a lucky play because he just well, look, fell. Court, I mean, you position. use the extreme example of, <laughs> no, of all uh, the, the things we discussed. No, no, you no, 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 the example no. when the guy stumbles and coughs up the football. It, that's the exact thing that you're talking about when they punch the ball out. That's no lucky. That is, is, his arms got to be in the right place at the right time. Everything's got to be exact. Fine. For the, for the moment, yeah. Which is why I go back to fundamentals and practicing and being in position. All of that contributes. There's no doubt about it. And I just, I want our listeners and viewers to understand we're working on an off-season podcast. It'll be Giants turnovers. We're going to go back and analyze every single turnover and takeaway this season. And Howard, with video as a complimentary piece, will break down and he will determine luck or unlucky. And we'll have a very positive game that we'll be playing all offseason. We're working on a sponsor, by the way, Howard. I'm telling you, oh the God. Giants production team, this is this is they, a really hot commodity I can, and an I idea. Can go through the, okay? I can go through every last one of them if it's a if it's a call. I'm looking forward to it. I want I you can, to do I can, it. I need closure. I need closure. I can closure. tell you why yes. you are totally out of your mind. There <laughs> we go. He punches it out right here. Look at this. Like, oh, here's like the four previous plays. Same spot. He's going for the punch. It didn't happen. What's different? And then you'll be like, uh, well, his arm, well, uh, no, it's luck. And the guys that do it will tell you. And that's why I'm telling you, we need a new podcast. And we could bring on Charles Peanut Tillman, and we could convince him that he just wasn't that opportunistic as perhaps the stats and the video showcases. But in all seriousness, <laughs> as we wrap up shop here, and I want to piggyback off of what Russ brought up, Tilly has not been a good matchup for the Giants both in recent and past history. And I think that's what Russ was getting at. So when Howard, when you bring up improvement, I'm with you. But, you know, Russ brought up it's disappointing when you don't see the improvement consistently. And I think, Russ, that goes back to it's because it's such a different matchup. What Howard was talking about, when the Cowboys stunt and twist, and then you don't see that for a few weeks, the only time you're going to see improvement is when you then see a team like New Orleans showcase it again, and they're going to test you. Philadelphia has dominated the Giants in the trenches. And whether or not they're fully healthy or not, and a lot is going to depend on what happens Monday night against the Seahawks as we're recording this. But if you want to see improvement, I'm interested to see how battle-tested the Giants are with the Eagles, how competitive they can make the game. Because Russ, in years past, that has not been the case. Competitive is the word. That's yeah. Uh, again, that's what we want to see the improvement. And coming off of yesterday, there's a lot of room for improvement coming up against the uh, Christmas Day special against the Eagles. Well, so what, what would be competitive, you guys? They lost by ten, or they lost by six. So what, what's competitive? And I, I, some, sometimes, and you know this, Howard. Things can uh, uh, the, the scoreboard can get a little nuts. So I, I'm just talking mm -hmm. about a good overall effort, a, a, a good competitive effort. Talk about receiving, upfront blocking, running backs from defense. I, everything that I just mentioned was lacking yesterday. I want to see an improvement 
all the way around. That's all. Yeah, I'm with Russ. I don't think you go by the score because, you know, sometimes you get a late touchdown that doesn't reflect how competitive the game is. Howard, I'm looking at, do the Eagles force three and out, three and out, three and out? Do they get seven or eight sacks like the Saints do? And you get to the point where there is no continuity, there's no consistency on offense. And we've seen performances like that against Philly. We've seen it against Dallas. So that, to me, I think would be a strong indication. You know, we've also seen games where, like, hey, the score could be, like, 27-20, but when you look back at it, it was a 27-20, but the team with the 20 really had no chance of winning the game. You you know, maybe there was a late touchdown, it was a late this and that. I just want to see a good overall competitive effort and improvement in every facet, and there's plenty of room for improvement coming off of yesterday. Okay. So with that being said, I think it's fair to say, gentlemen, we had a lot of strong takeaways on this program in terms of breaking down the Giants and the Saints. So much to consume, so much to analyze, as this is the Giants Hangout podcast presented by Crestron, a proud partner of the New York Giants. Lance Meadow, Russ Salzberg, Howard Cross with you. We'll be back next Tuesday since the Giants play on Christmas on Monday. So we'll be recapping the festivities on Tuesday. Check that out and look for the latest edition of the Giants Hangout, which you can check out on Giants.com, the mobile app, and your favorite podcast platforms. Have a good one.